from now. Here we go. All right. So again, source 10, Menachot. Uh, there was one slight mistake in it that I just fixed. So your text will be slightly off because there was a, a typo I put in. So I, I'll tell you where it is. So we have a statement, Rabbi Baravuna said, if it's Benash Mashot, a time that we dealt with already, unclear if it's nighttime, you don't have to take your tefillin off, but you're not allowed to put it on at that time. Implying that if it's certainly night nighttime, you have to take them off, which seems to imply that nighttime is not fit for tefillin. And the answer, hatam be'er of Shabbat itmar. That's talking about a case where it's Friday night. In other words, you're running into two problems. You're running into the problem that it's nighttime, but also that it's Shabbat. And we challenge that. We challenge that because we're still at that point in our thinking that Shabbat and Laila either are both in or both out, and they go together. All right, so my kasavar. Now, this is... Um, this is part of what we call the stameitic level of the Talmud, meaning after the Amoraim, they're analyzing a statement and they're uh, identifying that the statement is internally contradictory because either you hold a position or you don't hold a position. And that, by the way, is a tautology. Either you hold X or you don't hold X. There's no third choice. So, if you hold that nighttime is Zman which would mean at least you would not have to take it off. Even if, let's see, you put it on right now and you kept it on, it was midnight, you wouldn't have to take it off. Then Shabbat Nami Zman Tefillin, then Shabbat should also be Zman Tefillin, and you don't have to take it off Friday night either. Ika Savar Shabbat loves Zman Tefillin, Laila Nami loves Zman Tefillin. And if you hold that Shabbat is not fit for Tefillin, that's why you have to take it off if it becomes Shabbat, then any night is not Zman Tefillin. Why? What's our argument for putting those two together? Because the same verse that knocks Shabbat out knocks out nighttime. And here we go. This is review. Here's our Midrash Halacha. So the Pasuk says, keep this law. So we're saying Yamim means daytime and not nighttime. Some days and not all days. So Biosegli's position is that the Pasuk is talking about tefillin, and Yamim Yamima is a way of cutting out nighttime and Shabbat and Yom Tov. Now that's Rabbi Yosegli. Rabbi Akiva says the Pasuk is not talking about tefillin. And if you remember, this is, was how we started last week. I'll bring you back just for a moment. In Source 1, which is from the Parsha of Kadesh, the first Parsha we have in our tefillin, it describes the Korban Pesach, Matzah, Haggadah, and then tefillin. And then says, keep this law, miyamim yamima. So the question is, which is this law? So Yosei says, the last thing mentioned was tefillin, so I must be referring to tefillin. And therefore, tefillin is day and not night, some days and not all days. Rabbi Akiva says, no, the Pasuk is talking about the Korban Pesach, but you have to keep it meaning every year. Right? So the answer to our question is, and we're trying to say that Shabbat and Laila should go together, which means that Friday night is not going to be unique. Either for every any night is off for tefillin, or Shabbat and Laila are on for tefillin. 
So to resolve a problem by saying, oh, that was Friday night, that's different, doesn't help. So the answer is not so simple. Rabbi Akiva agrees that Shabbat is out. Rabbi Akiva is the one who said that Pasuk is talking about Pesach. And the Yamim Yamima doesn't refer to, to Tefillin at all. But Rabbi Akiva also knocks Shabbat from a different Pasuk, the Tanya. Rabbi Akiva Omer, Yachol, Yaniach Adam. Now remember, Yachol is, uh, is Midrash Halacha language, specifically in the school of Rabbi Akiva. We talked about that last week. For I might have thought, we you know that very well from the Pesach from the Haggadah. After all, right after the four sons, what's the next thing that we say? <laughs> what does Yachomer Rosh means? I might have thought you could do this mitzvah from Rosh Chodesh, and Yachol is always followed by Tamud Lomar, which means therefore the pasuk tells you not what you thought. So here we go. I might think that you put on tefillin on Shabbat and Yom Tov also. Right, you're going to see something very curious in the Rambam with this. But it should be a sign on your hand and for totafot between your eyes. Meaning only on days when you need a sign. Meaning the day of Shabbat and Yom Tov are themselves a sign of the special relationship between you and God. You don't need another sign. So the way that Rabbi Akiva reads the pasuk is, put tefillin, why did God, Why did three out of four times, why, um, why is, sorry, um, why is tefillin shaliyad called an oat? Called an oat because it represents a special sign between us and God. So why write it that way? To tell you that you only need to wear it on days that are not themselves signs of the relationship between you and God. And Shabbat and Yom Tov, the fact that you are desisting from Malacha, the fact that you're celebrating the way you are, demonstrates the entire day is an expression of your relationship with God. So you don't need tefillin. Okay? So therefore, Amar Rabbi Elazar, so now here's the impact of that. Now this Rabbi Elazar is, a, is an Amora, right? It, it should not be in blue. If somebody puts on tefillin after sunset, they violated a mitzvah say. Now notice, he doesn't say keeping it on. He says if you put on tefillin after sunset, you violated an asay. Right? Rabbi Yochamar over Balav, he says you violate a lot asay. Why is that? You should keep this law from day, right? And, and we're saying that that Pasuk eliminate, uh, knocks out nine nighttime. So therefore, when the Torah says, keep this and guard it, if you are wearing it outside of the time that you're supposed to guard it, you violated a mitzvah. But the, you violated a, a, either a mitzvah tase or a lotase. Now that sounds like he's ruling against Rabbi Akiva, right? Because after all, Rabbi Akiva said, nighttime is in. And that Pasuk's not talking about tefillin. That ta- Pasuk's talking about Korban Pesach. So it sounds like they've ruled against Rabbi Akiva. Now this, by the way, would have huge impact on a lot of different areas, practical areas. One simple area is you are wearing tefillin, let's say you're a Sephardi and it's a fast day, and you put on tefillin for Mincha, and Mincha's late, and now the sun is set. Do you have to quickly rush and take them off? Or you're sitting in the middle of a shear, and somebody's giving a shear between Mincha and Marv, and you still have your tefillin on from, again, Mincha that you put on, or you happen to be wearing tefillin all day. You were fasting or something. Some reason you're wearing tefillin all day. And it's sunset. And now you're sitting there waiting for Mari. Do you have to take your tefillin off because it's day at nighttime? 
Or can you keep him on? And that depends on this. According to Rabbi Yossi Aglili, you have to take him off. And according to these two Chachamim, you actually violated the law of the Torah if you don't take him off. Or at least, if so we say, if you put him on then. According to Rabbi you didn't violate anything. Maybe it's even a good thing to do. Maybe you didn't make a bracha then. So we have to see how this plays out. The Ammar Rabbi Elazar, shomran mutar. Let's say you put the tefillin on to guard them. Meaning, you have your tefillin, you're, 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 they're sitting loose, you now need to walk somewhere so your hands aren't free, and you don't have a tefillin zakal. So if you put your tefillin on just to put them somewhere safe, that's okay. In other words, you're not putting them on to fulfill the mitzvah, you're putting them on because that's the most convenient place to put them, then it's okay. The Amma Ravina, Ravina tells a story. Now we're going to talk about the characters here, because meaning the people here, because who the people here are is significant for understanding how the halakha develops. I want to finish the story, get to the end of this paragraph, and then talk about it. The Amma Ravina, Ravina, whose name really is Rabbi Avina, so Ravina, Haveyativna Kamed Ravashi. He was a younger colleague of Rav Ashi. Rav Ashi died in 427, to give you a sense of time here in, in Matamachsia. And he said, I was sitting in front of Rav Ashi, v'chashach. It got dark. This is, we assume, on a weeknight. V'hiniach tefillin. He put on his tefillin. V'amrile, we asked him, l'shomron kabayulumar, are you putting him on to protect them? Meaning, you have nowhere else to put him, so you're putting him on? V'amarli in. And he said to me, yeah. But actually, I saw that that wasn't his reason, because I saw he had a tefillin sack. I saw that he didn't rush to get home and take him off, whatever. I could perceive that he had actually been disingenuous about it. He did not need to watch them, which means he put on tefillin at night as part of the practice of tefillin. But he told us that it was to protect them. Why? Because Savar, he must have held, it was one of these unique positions, which actually is far less unique than you think. Halacha, or it's not as rare than you think. Halacha ve'en morin kein. What is halacha ve'en morin kein? So the Gemara in Babatra in the, in the eighth parak tells us that when a, uh, when a student asks his teacher uh, halacha, meaning here's a discussion, what's the halacha? If the teacher says halacha, you still don't act on it until he says halacha lemaaseh. I remember several times from Luchatin Shir when he was teaching something and he came to a halacha conclusion. I asked him halacha and he said yes. And then I said halacha lemaaseh and he said yes, meaning you should actually practice that way. Because halacha might mean theoretically this is an acceptable position, but for all sorts of other considerations, we don't really do it. For instance, there are all sorts of things. That's why I'm saying this is less rare than you think. There are all sorts of things that might be technically permissible, permitted. And yet we don't do them because most people don't understand the distinction between those and actually prohibited activities. And if they see us doing it, they're going to draw the wrong conclusion, they'll misunderstand, and then suddenly they'll start doing prohibited activities. So we don't do them. All right, now I could give you examples, but that would kind of be blowing the idea. So we refer to that category as halacha ve'en morin kein, which means that's the halacha, but we don't publicly instruct about it. And there are several examples in the Gemara where there's like a range of 
Well, if somebody asks, we answer that it's mutar, but we don't volunteer the information. <clears throat> they ask, we tell them it's asur, but if they did it, we tell them you didn't violate any. So it's a whole range of this kind of um, social halachic policy dictating how we teach halacha. And then we can all understand the wisdom behind that. So back to our case, Rav Ashi evidently held that the halacha was really like Rabbi Akiva. Really, nighttime is a time of tefillin. But we can't let people know that, and we're going to see why uh, momentarily. Uh, we can't publicize the fact that tefillin is okay at night. Um, and actually, we, we saw it already. It is uh, like, like um, Rabbi or Rava said, that you might fall asleep when it rained the tefillin. Um, bum, 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 right? Um, uh, and so therefore, you're not supposed to wear a tefillin at night, but really nighttime is the time of tefillin, which would mean, for instance, if you were, again, were put on tefillin at the end of the day. I'm not talking about somebody who had no idea about Zman anything. I'm talking about somebody who davened properly in the morning. Let's just say, okay, <coughs> Tishabab. Tishabab. And let's say your Mincha Minyan Tishabab was late. And you got there, and it was a COVID thing, and you're outside, there were nine people, and you're waiting, 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 waiting. We all put our tefillin on for Mincha. And by the time your minion got together, it was getting very late, and you still had your tefillin on. And they were starting Mariv. And you knew that you could either take your tefillin off, but then you'd miss Mariv, or you would uh, keep your tefillin on and be able to have Mariv with them. What do you do? So what Ravashi would do is Ravashi would keep his tefillin on. He'd say, nighttime is a perfectly fine time for, for davening, for, for tefillin. Hello, what? I'm not going to keep my tefillin on into the night because I might fall asleep. But I can't publicize it because people won't know the difference. So I'll tell them the only reason you're allowed to do it is to watch them. But really, I'm, I have them on because it's okay. That's that sugya. Okay, so now let's take a look at, um, at one other piece here that we're going to see in the Rushalmi, the Tosal's going to quote which is going to take us in the opposite direction, clearly the Rabiosi Aglili direction, that tefillin are prohibited at night and on Shabbat, or at least we think so. And let's take a look, because this all comes back to our first point, which is if you're walking down the street, how do our things start? If you're walking down the street and it's Shabbat day and you see tefillin in the street, what do you do? And we saw that you put them on and walk in the house. And when Gamliel or Rabbi Yehuda said, you put on two pairs at a time and walk in the house, when you hold Diyun, what the disagreement was about was it about a sort of a pragmatic thing of you can possibly put on two pairs of tefillin at a time? Is it about baltosif? Is it about whether tefillin is considered to be like like a, like a garment or not? Is it about whether shabbat zman tefillin? But now we're branching out. So now the Talmud Yerushalmi in Masachet Brachot, source twelve, asks the following question. Now it's important whenever you study open up a Talmud Yerushalmi to know that. Galilean Aramaic is not the same as Babylonian Aramaic. And you start learning Gemara and you get used to certain terms in Aramaic or in the Hebrew that they use, and suddenly you find that it's a little different. Sometimes it's a lot different, but usually it's close. So the Rishami asks, Be'ezet sad humavarech. Be'ezet sad, this phrase, is like you would say ketzad, which means, how is it done? It's an introduction. It's presented like a question, but it's an introduction to a presentation, which is, how is this done? And then it's going to describe. What kind of bracha do you make on tefillin? Now, by the way, if you don't look at the text, and I ask you right now, what bracha do you make on tefillin? Go ahead. What do you What do you tell me? Don't look at the text. What do you make? Hita tefillin. This is tefillin. That's the seat. 
Right. So you would say, and then in a sugya that we're going to do much later or just for fun in the middle of nothing, just one week we pick it, we're going to take a look at in the Bavli, what they say is that you say al-mitzvah tefillin, but it's entirely unclear whether that's in every case or only if you spoke after putting on tefillin shalyad, which is why, what's the Ashkenazi custom of chutzlaretz? Don't speak. That's the halacha. So what's the, what's the, what's the Ashkenazi custom of chutzlaretz? But you say both. You say both. And what do you say after shal, the shal rosh? What do you say, Baruch Shein? Because it might have been a brachal of Atala, right. right? That's why, yeah. right? So it's machlok at Rishonim whether or not you make the second bracha in all cases or only in the case where you spoke, right? So the solution is not to violate the law, speak, and then you justify the bracha. The solution is, okay, so our minag, minag of Yisrael, minag of Hasidim, all Sephardim is one bracha, unless you spoke. Um, so, but the Yushalmi is a whole different thing. Watch this. So when you put the tefillin shaliyad on, what do you say? Okay, so that's on the yad. What? On the That's what it says here. <coughs> Right, almost reminds us of the brachota ner Chanukah. I don't know if you guys remember, but I gave a share on the bracha on the different wording. We have six different versions of the mitzvah, of the bracha on ner Chanukah. Right, lahadlik ner Chanukah, lahadlik ner shal Chanukah, lahadlik ner shelech Chanukah, al mitzvah tadakat ner Chanukah, and of course the biggest doozy, which is al mitzvah zikinim. Right, all sorts of different versions. Now, here's the one that's real fun. Kishu cholzan. What bracha do you make when you take tefillin off? Okay? God commanded us to keep his laws. Now, this sugya is unquestionably following Rabbi Yosei Aglili, because Rabbi Yosei Aglili says, the pasuk that says, keep the law, is talking about tefillin, and is locking tefillin out of nighttime and Shabbat, would be the one to say, when you take the tefillin off at the end of the day, you say, because I'm fulfilling that pasuk. Rebekah in no way could could buy into this bracha. Okay, so now in our sugyan eruvin, look what Tosfot says. Tosfot quotes the the piece of Shavatata Chukazot, and then he says the following: Mikan Omer Rabbeinu Tam. Here's Rabbeinu Tam, right? Sort of the, if you will, the sort of the beginning of where Tosfot starts. Dafilu b'nei Ma'arava, meaning the people of the West, the Hainu, the people in Eretz Yisrael. That would make that bracha. They would only make the bracha if they were taking the tefillin off at the end of the day. I don't mean the end of the day, the British term. I mean the real end of the day. The Hainu 445 today, 446. It doesn't mean when you take tefillin off at, uh, you know, before sunrise, when we do in our minion. Uh, when before the day is started, or it takes filling off at eight thirty, you know, after a late minion. It means when you take filling off at the end of the day. Tosfot says we do not hold like Rabbi Yosei We reject the position of the Yerushalmi, right? 
If you're taking tefillin off at the end of the day, again, our Tishav situation, which by the way happens in a lot of places. A lot of places have a late minion for, for Minchan Tishav at the end of the day. And you're taking your tefillin off, it's right around sunset. It may be after sunset. Avedatam says, even if you're doing that, you don't make the bracha. Mishum the Kaimalan ke Rabbi Akiva. He says, we hold like Rabbi Akiva. What does Rabbi Akiva say? The Pasuk is talking about Korban Pesach, which means, by the way, Look what he says. We paskin that nighttime is Zman Tfilin. Hmm. By the way, if you think about it, it raises a huge question, which is so, what about women? Isn't women's exemption from Tfilin? Because it's Zman Grama, but if Lila Zman Tfilin, then it's not Zman Grama anymore. That's right. You can make that argument. Oh. Right? Which opens up a huge Pandora's box. So Tosfot, not necessarily anticipating that problem, maybe, maybe not, makes the following comment. He says, Ad Sha'at Shena. In other words, Tosfot says, Lila is Zman Tfilin until you go to sleep. What does that mean? So I think what Tosfot is suggesting here is that let's not think that tefillin is a 24-7 mitzvah. Talmud Torah is a 24-7 mitzvah. Kibbut Ve'em is a 24-7 mitzvah. Believing in God is a 24-7 mitzvah. There are mitzvot that are maybe 24-6. You could argue if Shabbat is out, then... No, tefillin is not 24. Tefillin is from when you get up in the morning until you go to sleep at night, which means it's not bound by astronomic events it's bound by personal behavior at haraya what would happen if you put on tefillin at eight o'clock in the morning and you're going to learn all day and wear tefillin you're going to wear tefillin while you do your work and your work is not dirty work so you can you know it's not like in the fields it's work that you can wear your tefillin for it's behind a desk and at uh, three o'clock you decide you have to take a nap what are you gonna do you have to take your tefillin off and then, by the way, you'd put your tefillin back on, according to that, when you woke up at four. And you would keep your tefillin on until you went to bed at midnight. Which means that, according to this, tefillin is time-bound, but it's not time-bound by astronomic time. It's time-bound by personal time of sleeping and being awake. Okay? And so now, let's see. Rav Ashiv Ravina Maski Hatam Halachavein Morin came. And Tosfut here quotes the Gemara we just saw, which is nighttime is the proper time for mitfilin, but we don't publicize it. Of course, here Tosfut's saying it, so obviously we're not too bothered about publicizing it. All night is mitfilin, except, of course, when you're going to sleep. Now, I told you that we have to talk about who the personalities are in that story. Going back to this story, we have a story of Ravina and Ravash. Yeah. All right, and we got to think about who they, they are. Who are Ravina and Ravashi? So, the very famous Gemara in Bab Metzia, Daf Pehe, says that Ravina and Ravashi, Sof Hora'a, they were the end of Hora'a, which means Torah instruction, literally. They're not the end of Hora'a because Hora'a continues till today. People ask questions, they'll get Hora'a. So, what does it mean? So Rashi's take is that, um, that, that that they were the ones who assembled and finalized the Talmud Bavli, 
which would make Ravina and Ravashi the Batra'i, the final arbiters, which would mean, of course, if they were to present the halakha, and Ravashi especially present the halakha, that's it. That's the, that's the canonized law. The interesting thing is that not everybody agrees with Rashi. And a hundred years before Rashi uh, came, came around, there was a perhaps the most <clears throat> significant letter that was written in maybe a thousand years. And so I'll tell you the story because it's an important story to know. Up until the beginning of the 11th century, the unquestioned center of Torah learning was in Babylonia. And the undisputed authorities of Halakha were the heads of the yeshivot in Babel. And the two yeshivot that we encounter so often in the Gemara, Surah and Pumbadita, continued to thrive, although they were moved to Baghdad. But they were called by those names, and the heads of those yeshivot had the title Gaon. So the title Gaon was a title of the head of the yeshiva. And Gaonim were asked questions from Jewish communities all around the world, notably North Africa, where there was a large Jewish community. And even from Spain, they got questions. And one of the questions they were asked actually by Rav Nisim Gaon, that was a, a kind of an honorary title, who was in, uh, who was in uh, Kirawan. The question he asked of Rav Shrira Gaon, who was at the very end of the 10th century, was, please teach us how did the Mishnah come into existence? And he wrote a letter, which is a very long letter. I'll show you here. This is, you can see it, one critical edition of this letter, which is Levine's, which is considered the, the edition of it. It's called Egeret Rav Shurigon. And it is, along with one other source that we have also from the 10th century, in the 9th century, all the best source of information we have about the transmission of Torah Shavalpeh. You can see how vital it is. Who was whose student? Who was whose teacher? Who was the head of which yeshiva? For how long? In what year? Etc. Get all of this vital information. And he happens to hold that the Rav Ashi mentioned at the Gemara is not this Rav Ashi. And that we're talking about somebody who's commonly known as Rav Ashi too, although his name may have been Asi, his main name may have been Yosef. And he lived, he died approximately 80 years after this Rav Ashi, which changes everything. Which means Ravashi here was a great Rosh Hashiva. He was certainly the leading light of his generation, but he was not the end of the process. And determining that will have some impact on how we view the rulings of, of this Ravashi, who's the famous Ravashi. So I just want to throw that out because uh, it's important to know these things and to understand that this has a lot to do with how we formulate, uh, how the Rishonim end up formulating some halachic decisions. Now, coming back to, to our page, there's one other note of Tosfot. We're not going to look at this whole Tosfot. As you can see, we have a little artwork to look at today. I'll explain that because this is just, just fun. Um, um, you see this other Tosfot in our sugyo, source 14, where he talks about Shabbatot v'yamim tovim, that we exclude Shabbat and Yom Tov. He says, Nir'ed da'adrasha de'la'ot al yadcha de'besamuch kasamich. Why do we knock out Shabbat and Yom Tov? Not because of Yamim Yamima, but because of Ot. Right? And by the way, that opens up a real Pandora's box, which we could take on in a different year if you want, which is the issue of filling on Cholamoid. All right? Tosfot here says, ein Ot. 
Kolomoid is also a day in which there's a sign of our connection to God. Uh, in the middle days of Pesach and Sukkot, right? You're not allowed to work unless it's something that's absolutely vital. You can't just work anything you want. There are really clear expressions all the time of your connection to God. Anytime you want to eat, you got to go out to the sukkah. And on Pesach, anything you want to eat, you got to check for an extra letter on the package. It's got to have a P besides the OU. And then he gets into the issue here uh, of whether or not you're wearing tefillin on Cholamoy. Just as a as an um, a, an observational note, and I think uh, probably everybody here will be able to concur. One of the grassroots, and there's un, it's unquestionably grassroots, changes that I have seen in my relatively short lifetime is when I was a kid, if you went to shul on Cholamoyed, you saw that in some shuls, they allowed, the people who had both customs, wore tefillin, didn't wear tefillin, but the people who were in the minority had to go to the Azrat Nashim, which there was no women in. So they would go to the Azrat Nashim, or they'd stand in the back, or in some way be secluded, so as not to sort of be in the in the face of the common custom. When I was a kid, the common custom was you wore tefillin. And the few people who didn't wear tefillin stood in the back or wherever. Today it's flipped. It's absolutely flipped. In almost all shuls. I'm sure it's not true in Breuer's. But in almost all shuls that you go into, you'll find the majority of people are not wearing tefillin, and there's a small group that does. At our Pesach program, Cholamoy, there's always a few people wearing tefillin, and the majority are not, and, uh, and that's changed. That's changed along with a number of other things, and I believe a lot of that is the impact of people spending more and more time in Israel and picking up Minah Gerich Israel, and people being there dafka for Yom Tov. And, uh, but then it could be something else. I'm not a sociologist. Anyhow, here's the Rambam. Now, um, we have a little treat here, which I'm going to share with you. But first, the Rambam in Source 15 uh, says as follows. And prepare to be a little surprised. Now, by the way, if you'll notice, the two choices that we've had are that tefillin is tfotosfot, laila, yom valayla, just not sleeping. Which would mean, when would you have to take off tefillin? Before you go to bed. And when could you put on tefillin? When you get up. When you get up. Even if you get up at 4 o'clock and uh, sunrise isn't until after 7, let's say like it was a couple weeks ago. And <clears throat> the morning calendar says that the Zmat of Mishiach here, that you can recognize somebody, is at 6.20. Right? Remember, we got it to about 6.20. But theoretically, according to that, you should be able to put it on because you're awake now. And such, and Lila's month's tefillin. And even maybe make a bracha. Maybe. On the other hand, Tos, Rambam says, "Zman bayom and he quotes the pasuk "Shnemar yamim yamima," which means He unreservedly, unabashedly rules against Rabbi Akiva. And he says the pasuk is talking about tefillin, not about carbon pesach, right? Which would mean that, according to Rambam, you would certainly have to take your tefillin off at the end of the day, maybe even make a bracha, although we don't hear about that. Uh, however, that um, should be the case that putting it on in the morning should exactly follow the contours of any other daytime mitzvah, which is ideally you do it at sunrise, but you could do it from Amura Shachar. And this other's man shouldn't play a role, shouldn't, right? <coughs> the Shabbatot Tovim Enos Man 
And Shabbos and Yantif, just like that, are out. And then the Rambam does something which is a curved knuckle. It's a curved knuckler. It's not just a curveball. Because remember, if you hold the pasuk, miyamim yamima, is, uh, is about tefillin, then that in one fell swoop knocks out nighttime and Shabbat. If on the other hand, you hold that that pasuk is about, um, is about uh, Pesach, then tefillin isn't knocked out unless you use la'ot. And la'ot knocks out Shabbat and not, not Mila is still in. Right? That's, that was what we said. So watch this. The Rambam says, Laila is absolutely out, yamim yamima. And he says, Shabbat is also out because it says, la'ot al yadcha. Now, just to tell you, I got one thing that I noticed in this Rambam that really bothered me and set me off on a little journey that I'm bringing you along on is what's the pasuk that he quotes? What does he say? Shinemar? I, I just highlighted it. The only problem is that pasuk does not exist. What, what is the pasuk that actually exists? It shall be a sign, not they shall be a sign. Right? And, I, and in parentheses, I put the way the Pasuk actually appears. All right? So now he goes on. We're going to take a look at this. Right? Again, Shabbat and Yom Tov are themselves a time, a, a sign, so not Shabbat and not nighttime. Okay. And therefore, it should be the case that Tfilin, just like every other daytime, <coughs> Sunrise to sunset, and you could do it as early as Amor Shachar. And then he says, When is the time that you put it on? Notice, he doesn't say you're not allowed to before. When is the time you put it on, the proper time to put it on? Right? From the time that you could recognize somebody, that's what we call Mishiach here, somebody who you're somewhat familiar with from a distance of Arbamod away, until sunset. So he gives you the parameters of daytime for tefillin. Now, parenthetically, why would this this mishiakir play a role? Why does it play any role in zman tefillin? So one possibility is that it's structured around a sequence. I'm going to take you to a whole different place for a second. When is zman kriyachma in the morning? The first quarter. Right. First quarter. Yeah, correct. Whatever that means. Three hours. Three hours. Three shows maniot. So, you know, today is still about, uh, what, 8.45, something like that. I'm not sure what the, you know, we're always way earlier. The Kesef Mishnah says that actually Midoraita, Zman Kriyachma, get this, is all day. All day. Because what's the word in the Torah that tells us we have Sishba in the morning? When you get when you get up. Now, how do we interpret when you lie down? Do we interpret that as the time that you're in the process of lying down or when you're lying down? When you're lying down. When you're lying down, therefore it's all night. So Kesamisha says if that's the case, then Uvkumacha is when you're up. It's all day. Very good. So the Kesavishah says the reason the rabbis said you have to say it by three hours, he says it's Drabanan to say it till three hours, is so you'll say Kriyachma before Tefillah, because Tefillah has to be within four hours. So you could say the same thing here is the reason that they made Tefillin be later than Amur Shachar, but before sunrise, <coughs> sequence of 
tefillin, shema, tefillah, that it should all kind of fall into place. Perhaps. All right. But that word, vahayu, got me a little bothered. So mm-hmm. I decided to go to England. And I decided to bring a souvenir with me from England. What you're looking at here is Bodleian. a Kaktaviad from the Bodleian Library of the, of the Mishnah Torah. Now, why is this so valuable? Because um, this uh, Ktav Yad happens to have a signature of the Rambam on it. The Rambam didn't write it. The Rambam, it, Rambam had it written, but he went over the copyist's work and approved and signed it. it. And signed it. It's, a, it's an amazingly valuable thing. And we have used it in numerous times to go and check when there are either strange statements, strange words in the Rambam, or words that in some texts are there, some texts aren't there, to settle that dispute. The very famous thing that we talked about a long time ago, about 67 or 70 lines in Hazinu, we got the answer from here. So I took a look at it, and you can read with me. Zman anachat tefillin bayom lo balayla shenemar miyamim yamima. And here I'm very disappointed. And then on the side, the copyist added in, you see next to Vahyu, the two apostrophes, what we call Gershayim, mm-hmm. like the quote marks, that's a note for this, that the word Lacha should be in there. So the copyist forgot it, and when he was going over it, he realized so he put a little note, and on the side, in the margin, he put lacha, right there. So vahayu lacha laot, except, again, that's not the pasuk. Tavatot v'yamim tovim hein atzman ot. Omi'em atay zman anachatan, mechtei shi'irech haveru barachok arba amot v'yakireu ad shetishka hachama. So this taviyah is exactly like we had, but I thought I'd show it to you because it's a priceless jewel, and now you have it. Okay. Now, watch this. Anybody put on tefillin before sunset. And it's the sunset, and they're on him. He's wearing them. Now, understand that this Rambam is blowing up everything we've seen. The Rambam already ruled against Rabbi, Rabbi, uh, against Rabbi Akiva. Except that Rabbi Yosei Gwili, tefillin is only day and not night. And then we saw the story with Ravina, that where where um, Ravashi clearly ruled against Rabbi Akiva because it's Lila Isman Tfilin, and I'm allowed to keep Tfilin on, even if not to guard them. Ramamir says if you have Tfilin on, you can have all night. It's Mutar. That's exactly Ravashi. We don't publicize this. We tell people not to put on Tfilin at night. We teach people to take their tefillin off when it's sunset. And then he says, if you put on tefillin at night, you violated a lot. And he quotes the Pasuk. Which means that the Rambam's approach to our whole story with Ravash Ravina is kerflui. We're going to get to it. It's kerflui. Okay? So now let's walk through from the Rambam a little bit. By the way, here at the bottom of the page, I have the Rambam's signature as the footnote. On that text. Anyway, I had it somewhere. Okay. The Rosh, Ravenu Asher. So a little, little bit of history. Ravenu Asher Ravichiel, the prize student of the biggest rabbi in Ashkenaz, Marami Rutenberg. Rab, uh, the Rosh was considered to be when Marami Rutenberg, 
passed away in prison. Very famous story. Uh, he was held ransom by the Germans, and the Jews raised a lot of money to ransom him, and he refused to go based on the Sugen Gittin. And so the Rosh from Enu Asher, this is the very beginning, very, very, very beginning of the 14th century, uh, became uh, sort of the, recognized as the leader of German Jewry, and then had to leave when uh, Jews were being uh, expelled. And he moved to Toledo. Toledo, which is in um, which is in Christian Spain, and he became uh, friendly with the local rabbi whose name was uh, Shlomo ben Adrat, otherwise known as the Rashba. Imagine that Chalutah. <coughs> and of course, Yaakov became the the author of the tour, right? So the Rosh uh, here quotes our whole sugya, and he tells the story about how they how they uh, make the bracha Lishmochukav, and like Rabbi Tam did, he's He's in the school of Rabbeinu Tam. Says we don't make that bracha even when you take it off just before nighttime. And then he makes the argument, by the way, um, of for not putting on tefillin uh, on cholamoid because he said cholamoid has a sign, and the sign is achilat chametz and, and the sukkah, respectively. Okay, I just wanted to show it to you quickly. Here's the tour. The tour says man on achatan baboker mishirech haver aragil lemokzat rachul dal ramot. Now watch here how the tour pulls things together. The Rambam said, Laila loves man tefillinhu. The pasuk is about tefillin. Yamim and not lilot. Night is, by the way, which means the Rambam has a very simple explanation for why women are exempt. It's time bound. The tour says that, that the pasuk is talking about Pesach. Laila zman tefillinhu. But you um, you shouldn't put on tefillin until there's some light in the morning enough to recognize somebody, even though you could put it on at four in the morning. We don't publicize. So what's the impact? If tefillin are on and it gets dark, you don't have to take them off. But you don't put them on. But by the way, he doesn't say that if you put them on, you violated a lot. He rules... Like Rabbi Akiva, he rules against against the Rambam. He rules like Rabbi Akiva. So below bracha And by the way, that's what we do. In that's what we've done in past years. And the end of October, when the zman is about six twenty, and it's Rosh Chodesh, we're davening at six. What do we do? So we put on tefillin. And then without a bracha, and then wait until Yishtabach or after Shmon Esrei. And touch them and say the bracha because after the zman. That's exactly that. He quotes Rabbeinu Peretz, one of the Baleatos folk, who says, Listen, if we hold Laila Zman Tfilinhu, then that means you should be able to make the bracha on them at three in the morning. Let's say at three in the morning you're starting off on a trip. So you put a tefillin on for the day. This is what their custom was. So he says you could put on your tefillin at three in the morning, make the bracha on them because Lila is zman tefillin. You're not going to fall asleep with them because you just got up to go on your trip. You're not going to fall asleep while you're walking. So go ahead and make the bracha. Va'adoni avi zal lokatav king said, my father the Rosh didn't say that, didn't agree with that. So we have here an interesting conundrum. We're saying that essentially nighttime is a fit time for tefillin. 
Elowat, we don't publicize it because we're people afraid people fall asleep in their tefillin. I've seen people fall asleep in their tefillin during the day. But then again, remember, I've been teaching in Yeshiva High School for 25 years. Right? <laughs> um, so, so if you think about it, though, since Lila is man tefillin, why can't I put on tefillin after I've woken up, even if it's at 3 in the morning? Or I have a night shift, and I woke up at 11 at night, and I'm going on my night shift. Why can't I wear tefillin with a bracha all night? So the Rosh won't, won't, uh, won't say it. So the, the Shulchan Aruch says as follows. Asur laniach tefillin balayla. All right? Why? Shema yishkachem v'yishan bahem. You're not allowed to put on tefillin at night, not because the Torah forbids tefillin at night. Again, he's posking against the Rambam. Right? And he's posking like Rabbi Akiva. The Pasuk's not about tefillin. The problem is you might forget and fall asleep in them. If you put them on before and you wore them all night, that's fine. We don't publicize it. Let's say he didn't take off his tefillin before sunset because he had nowhere to put them. That we publicize. We do publicize that. Okay, very nice. So now I want to... Um, we have exactly 10 minutes and exactly to do this because... I will tell you that the biggest problem in this whole naughty, and that's a tefillin joke, tefillin pun, right, um, um, is, is the Rambam. The Rambam is in some mystical zone here. And I'll lay it out. If you hold like Tosfot and like the Rosh and like everybody else, and that is you rule like Rabbi Akiva, and that is that the Pasuk is talking about Pesach. And that means that tefillin is a 24-hour mitzvah, but you're not allowed to wear it when you're sleeping. And the real interesting question is, what happens if you get up at 3 in the morning? Can you make a brachan tefillin? Now we have machloket here. So then I get it. If, on the other hand, you hold like Rabbi Aglili, that tefillin is knocked out by the pasuk, then you absolutely cannot wear them at night. And you also don't need the pasuk laot al yadcha to knock him out of Shabbat. The Rambam seems to be grabbing every strap of tefillin from a different end. You can't wear them at night because you might sleep in them. But if you were wearing them and you kept them on, you didn't violate anything. You put them on, you violated a lotasei. But if they're already on, you don't have to take them off. That I can sort of live with. But you don't wear tefillin at night because the pasuk says miyamim yamima. And you don't wear tefillin on Shabbos because that should be enough. Miyamim yamima. We saw the drasha. Rabbi Yosei says yamim and not leilot. Miyamim and not Shabbat. Instead the Rambam says loot. What's the Rambam doing? So like we had in the last in-depth sugya that we did, which was the Holy Shuvah Shutar Abim, we're going to go to the Orcha Shochan for a solution. The Orcha Shochan here um, in in Hichot uh, brings the the bright uh, the other bright uh, the first bright miyamim yamima Rabbi Kiva says that's Pesach. The second bright Rabbi Kiva says you can't put on tefillin on Shabbat because laot, right? And Rabbi Yochanan then said Kol verbalad, which means Rabbi Yochanan's ruling like Rabbi Yosei that the pasuk is about tefillin. We said, even according to Biosegli, 
who says tefillin does not belong at night because the pasuk's talking about tefillin. If you put him on because you had nowhere else to put him and that's the only safest place, that's okay. Because you're not intending to do a mitzvah. That's fine. It was very clear that Ravashi, who is the biggest rabbi as far as you know, this kind of thing goes, because at the end of the Gemara, Ravashi says, I rule like Rabbi Kiva, the Pasuk's talking about the Korban Pesach. Right? But we don't publicize it because people might fall asleep. And here is the Rambam. The Rambam clearly ruled against the Rif, against the Rosh, against Tosa, against everybody else. He said, we rule like Rabbi Yosef Lili. But the Pasuk's talking about Tefillin, Shabbat, and Lila are out. And he quotes the Rambam, it's all in purple. Rambam is royal, Rambam gets royal purple. But here's the problem. The Rambam rules like Rabbi Yosef Lili, that Miyamim Yamima is talking about <coughs> And yet, when it came to Shabbat, he used the other pasuk, which is the problem. Right? So it must be that the Rambam agrees that even Rabbi Yosei needed the pasuk of Laot to knock out Shabbat. Well, let's, let's take a look at what he means. You take a look here at the very, very beginning, our pasuk. There it is. Now, if this pasuk is talking about tefillin, so now let's read Tet and Yod together. This story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim, these words should be a sign on your hand and a commemoration between your eyes. That the law of Hashem should be in your mouth. God took care with a strong hand. Good. So let's say we rule like Rabbi Yosiglili. Hazot is referring to the very last referent, which is tefillin. Keep this law, miyamim yamima. Just in a very simple cursory read, what, what, what does that mean? Keep it from year to year? You're only going to put on tefillin once a year? Don't think so. So therefore, miyamim must mean daytime. And daytime... Because, by the way, if the pasuk meant to do it all the time, it would say, That's all you need. Keep this law forever. That would be it. What does miyamim yamim mean? So the simplest read is, it's a daytime mitzvah, not a nighttime mitzvah. But how did you get Shabbat and Yom Tov out of there? See the problem? Yamim mm-hmm. means day, so day and not night. And by the way, are you familiar with a similar drasha that we have? You certainly are. Amar Rabbi Elazar ben Azaria. Start nodding when you when you remember. Hare ani kiven shivim shana. Lo zachitish tamayt siat mitzrayim belidot ad shudrasha ben zoma shenemar. Lemantis kord yom seid chamir mitzrayim kol. Yemei chayacha. And what do we do with that? Yemei chayacha hayamim. Kol rabot alidot. Right, so we're familiar right, with yeah. playing with the word yamim as referring to daytime versus night. So that's not unusual. So the Archa simply says as follows: the only way that we figured out that miyamim is there to cut out Shabbat is because of the ot consideration. In other words, what we have is an an explicit pasuk and a discrete pasuk. 
The explicit pasuk says miyamim yamima. And it tells you basically daytime and not nighttime. And the extra word miyamima says some days and not other days. So which days is it going to be? You could have said the exact opposite, which is tefillin only belongs on Shabbat. By the way, it makes a lot of sense. Because Shabbat is a day in which we are recognizing it's yet Mitzrayim. Makes sense to make it a festival <clears throat> of Mitzrayim, put on tefillin. Why instead are we knocking out Shabbat? So quoting the, he said, quoting some other Achonim, he says, meaning, how did Rabbi Yossi Aglili know that, that when the Torah says only where it's filling on some days, that the days that are knocked out are Shabbat and Yom Tov? And the answer is because of the Pasuk La'ot. And La'ot tells you that days in which there's already a built-in sign of our relationship with God don't need the sign of tefillin. And that's how Shabbat and Yom Tov get out. Okay. It sounds like even when it comes to Shabbat and Yom Tov, they're at odds. Right? Because according to Yosek Lili, if you put on tefillin on Shabbat, you violated something in the Torah. Why? Because the Torah says, Vishamarta. You have to observe this. And if you put on tefillin on Shabbat, you're not observing it, which means our Mishnah in Eruvin, with which we started a week ago and an hour ago, can't go like Rabbi Yosei Glili, because otherwise, how could you put on tefillin on Shabbat? Unless you turn around and say that just like putting on tefillin at night is okay if it's the only way to guard them, mm-hmm. even though if you say Shabbat loves Mount Filinu, similarly, putting tefillin on Shabbat, if it's the only way to protect them, they're in the street and you put them on to walk them into the house and take them off, then even Rabbi Yosei Glili would say it's okay. You didn't violate the Torah. You're not putting on it for the mitzvah. You're putting on it to protect them. Just like Ravashi did at night. Right? With its filling. But you would think it would say most days, not some days. Right. So therefore, right. So there was, but remember, this, the word some, the way in the Torah, miyamim, can, doesn't necessarily imply something about majority or minority. It just means not all. Okay. Not none and not all. Somewhere in between. <coughs> right? And he says, The main pasuk is there to tell you day and not night. But Shabbat and Yom Tov merely come from Laot. And therefore, He said, therefore, the Rambam brought only Laot per Shabbat. Now, let's wrap all this uh, wrap all this up, put it in our cycle and say goodbye. The, the, um, the pasuk was interpreted in two different ways, two mutually exclusive ways by great chachamim of the second generation. Rabbi Akiva versus Rabbi Yosei Rabbi Yosei said the pasuk's talking about tefillin. And it's knocking out day, nighttime from tefillin. And it's also knocking out some days. And okay, based on what we just learned, based on the oath, it's knocking out Shabbat. Which means, by the way, if you put on tefillin at night in order to fulfill the mitzvah, if you put on tefillin on Shabbat in order to fulfill the mitzvah, you violated a lotase of the Torah. Because the Torah says, garden, don't do this. Rabbi Kiva says, that pasuk's talking about Pesach. But how do I know that I don't put on, I'm going to say it carefully, how do I know I don't put on tefillin on Shabbat? Because mm-hmm. tefillin is called an oath, and I don't need it, listen to my words, I don't need it on days which are already an oath. Mm-hmm. You hear the difference? 
According to Rabbi Kiva, what would happen if somebody put on tefillah on Shabbat? Are they doing something wrong? Uh, yeah. Why? No. I'm oh. asking you. According to Rabbi Kiva, if they put on tefillah on Shabbat, are they doing anything wrong? Oh, okay. According to Rabbi yeah. Kiva? All they're doing is something which we could consider redundant. I've already got a sign, so therefore I don't need another sign, but I like another sign. Or they're doing something okay. which is laudatory but not obligatory, right? Okay. Now, within the world of Rabbi Akiva, our Mishnah is perfect. You see tefillin in the street, you put them on, walk in the house. Why not? Shabbat Zman Tefillinu. Ella what? We say Shabbat <coughs> because um, La'ot. But there's nothing wrong with it. So Rabbi Yosei we have to use the explanation of saying this is for purposes of guarding them. Purposes of guarding them, there's no problem with putting on tefillin even in the middle of the night, even according to Yosei Glili, because you're not doing it to fulfill the mitzvah, you're doing it to protect the tefillin. Okay, so we've seen a lot of a lot of different sources here. We had a little fun look at a Ketaviyad. Next week, Amir Hashem, we're going to have what we call a Shiur Ptichah. Shiur Ptichah means an introductory Shiur. It's going to be on uh, the opening sugya in Masachet Psachim. We're starting Psachim because the Eruvin Siyum is sometime in the next week or so, I think. Um, and uh, Sunday. And oh, Okay, perfect. So on Monday, we're going to start Psachim with the first daf. Uh, and we're going to do the shiur in two halves. The first half is going to be about the opening sugya. The second half is going to be an overview of psachim. And I, I take this from what my Rabbi Rarin Lechenstein Zatzal would do at the beginning of every zman. He would give a shiur p'ticha, the public shiur, which was given on alternating weeks by Lechenstein or Mital. Um, so he would give the opening shiur kali, the public shiur to the whole yeshiva. People came mm-hmm. from all over, all over Israel, including Supreme Court justices and a bunch would come to hear Ravarin's opening shiur. And he gave an opening shiur on a topic um, in the Masachet. And then he would give an overview of the Masachet, which was just stunning. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, touching on every sugya that's there. And then he would give a whole list of which unique Rishonim were available on that Masachet. And of course, everybody immediately would go into Shalim and hit the bookstores and buy them. And uh, before anything was online, there was no such thing as online. Yeah. And, um, and it was really, it was really uh, a, a remarkable experience. So I can't promise anything of the sort. Plus, his Shiro Kholi was about two and a half hours, plus the introductory part. I'm not going to do that. But uh, in Yitzhak Hashem, next week on Monday, we'll begin our study of Masech Psachim. And I'll see you till then. We'll see you are, you doing a, are you doing a Zoom Siyum? Um, I don't think we have a Zoom Siyum in the works.